All right, well, as you're grabbing a seat there, if you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we are continuing in our We Believe series, which is really a series on doctrine and just understanding what do we believe about what the Bible says. Well, we're starting it off with what do we believe about the Bible, right? We're spending three weeks in that, and so this is week two. Last week was the Bible is clear, and uh, trust that that was uh, a blessing to you uh, by God's grace. Um, and as we uh, jump into this, uh, let's get there, Second Timothy chapter 3. Now, I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure at certain points you know, in your life, uh, the question has come to your mind before, um, is this really necessary? You ever ask that question? You know, for you, maybe it was as you were, you know, filling out uh, a very lengthy application for some reason. You know, paperwork, lots of paperwork. Really? Really? Is this necessary? You know, for you, maybe it was when you were at work and you took a, a tongue lashing from your boss about something that was just utterly trivial. Utterly trivial. Do we need to be going through this right now? You know, or maybe for you it was, you know, when your kids, they go, you know, absolutely nuclear. You've had that before? They've gone absolutely postal over, you know, as far as you can tell, a complete non-issue. Is this really necessary? We ask that question actually quite a bit. Now, for professing Christians, I don't know if you realize this or you're aware of this or not, but it's a question that, that many of us have, have thought or, you know, even asked out loud about the Bible. We've asked this about the Bible. Is it necessary? Is it, is it essential? You know, do I, do I really need to know it the way that, you know, people seem to keep pounding away on me about do I really need to know it? Do I need to read it and study it? You know, do I, does it actually help me in everyday life? Is it something that I, that I need? Or is it possible, is it possible for me, you know, to just, to just do fine without it? You know, I can get by. I don't really need it. And we even ask the question, is it, is it necessary for my, you know, for my relationship with Christ? Does it, does it really need to be the, uh, you know, so central and the focus of our of our church and our discipleship is the Bible necessary? Well, I'm sure you can guess what we believe about it, right? As a church, right? We believe that the Bible is necessary. It is extremely necessary. And, and really, here's what we mean by this. We'll get our friend uh, Wayne Grudem to help us out with this. All right, this is what he says. He says, the necessity of Scripture, it means that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will. But it is not necessary, bear with me here, it is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. Okay, so if you, you, know, if you look out, onto, uh, out into creation, you know, and you're out there in the woods or something, or you, know, you go to BC and you see the mountains and you see the way that it looks and the way that creation itself functions and all of that, it, it screams at us that there's a creator. And Romans chapter one actually points us to that. Or if you were to, you know, were to stop and think and consider how, how uh, humanity is wired and we have a, you know, we have a moral compass, we have a, a moral code and, and all humanity uh, you know, across all centuries and from the beginning of time have a sense of right and wrong. You know, all of that screams of a moral code giver. And Romans 2 actually covers all of that. 
Okay, those, those types of things, you, you don't need to have the Bible, you know, to know those things, at least on some level. All right, humanity, you know, we see these things. We see creation with our own eyes. And, and deep down, you know, we know these kinds of things. We know good and bad. We know right and wrong uh, in our hearts. Okay, but the Bible is extremely necessary for, well, a lot of things. All right, and that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning as we get into this here. So, you know, I think it would be really appropriate as a way to honor the Lord and his word if you would all stand right now. And we will read just two verses here, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Okay, read along with me. It says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and, firm, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, we come before you now, Lord, recognizing that, you know, it's very easy for us to say with our words and even maybe even with our minds that the Bible is necessary, but do we really live like it? Do we live like we really need it? Do we, do we live like it's absolutely crucial for us, Lord? Or, or have we gotten into a kind of a mode, a way of living, a rut where, you know, we're quite content to just live, you know, over here and the Bible is kind of over there. Well, Lord, I pray that you would show us the goodness of your word. I pray that you would show us what it is necessary for. God, would you illuminate this to us? Would you give us, again, incredible confidence in the Bible that we all hold, that we all have? Lord, would you show us how badly we need it and then show us how it just directs us to you and who you are and, and so that we can know what's on your heart and go after those things to your glory. Lord, would you help us again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can take a seat. All right, now that the, that the unbelieving world, okay, the world kind of outside of, you know, Christianity, Christians, the church, and all of that, that, you know, that the unbelieving world would question the scripture and the necessity of it, or, you know, or even slam it, you know, that shouldn't be a shock to us, right? There should be zero surprises there. We wouldn't expect the unbelieving world, you know, to believe, you know, what we believe and to hold it with the same kind of, you know, um, love or respect as we would have for it. Okay, but that, that followers of Christ these days, that, that churches question the scriptures and the necessity of it and even slam it is, I don't know, concerning, I think, on one level. I don't think that's, you know, the greatest thing in, a wor uh, in the world. And I remember years ago, I had a, a conversation with a, a friend of mine that I was working with, and we, you know, this very topic kind of came out, and we were talking about the idea how, how Christians and even churches have kind of drifted away from you know, the necessity of the Scripture, and, and even talking, you know, poking holes at it, and you know, all of that kind of thing. And I remember he just had you know, this amazing remark about how you know, ridiculous it is for us as Christians to undermine you know, the very source that reveals to us the salvation that we claim to have. And I just thought, exactly, right? That is so good and, and so right on. As, as Christians, we have to have this locked in, in our minds and in our hearts and in our actions, just the necessity of the scriptures. You know, attacks come from the outside for sure. And unfortunately, they even come, you know, from the inside. We can't afford to, as the church, as believers, to waver in our understanding and our convictions on these things. They have to be strong, and we have to be firm in all of this. 
Because as the days go on, the days get more and more evil, don't they? And we are going to be, you know, encouraged to and forced to compromise on these things. So we need to understand and believe firmly from a conviction standpoint that the Bible is necessary. It is necessary. Now here's the first thing. If you're following along there and you got some notes and you want to write this down, okay, first thing is it drives me to continue to absorb and trust it. It drives me towards this. Take a look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this, it says, but as for you, you understand now this is the apostle Paul and he is writing this to Timothy, his young protege, this, you know, up and coming kind of, you know, rising superstar. If you want to look at it like that, he writes it to Timothy and he says, but as for you, continue in, continue is a really great word that you should probably underline or highlight. It means to, to, to dwell in, to remain in, to park yourself in and do not, you know, go away from. It says continue in. Well, continue in what? Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Okay, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Interesting there, right? From childhood, he had learned from some people. Who is he talking about here? Well, likely, according to the context of 2 Timothy, back in chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about his, it talks about his mother, uh, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. And so he had this, this godly heritage, these amazing women of faith who, you know, pointed young Timothy uh, to the scriptures from a very early age. And of course, Paul knows this, and he probably knew his family very well. And Paul might have even, in some ways, been you know, referring to himself and you know, the discipleship. You know, we sat together, and we talked about these things, and your conviction for the word of God was growing right before my eyes. He's like, don't wander away from this. Don't wander away from this. And so what he says here, he says, continue in what you have learned, okay, learned, and firmly believed. Now, that poses such a good question uh, to us these days as believers and really as the, as the modern church, do we have that, that same kind of drive, that, that urgency, that, again, that conviction that, that Paul is encouraging and, 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 and pushing Timothy to have? Do we have that? Do you have that? To, to, to further, you know, or continue that word is to, to absorb and trust the Bible in deeper and and greater ways. Now, if you are honest, if we're honest, which is, hey, that's always a good thing. It's right to be honest, even if that is, you know, painful and ugly and, you know, doesn't make us feel good. Honesty is, is always a good thing. Okay, maybe for you, you have sensed, you know, over the last, I don't know, while, maybe a long time, maybe a shorter time, maybe for you, you've sensed kind of in your life, kind of a growing boredom with the scriptures. You're like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not that fired up about it. And it's to the point where I, I don't even really like to admit it. And, I, and I, I wish that I was excited about it. And I have, these, I have these little flash in the pan moments where I'm kind of excited about it. But, you know, after I leave church or whatever it might be, I, you know, I kind of forget about that and I'm not super excited about it. You know, instead of that, instead of that flame being 
you know, fanned in your life and, and that, that flame growing, you know, larger and, and brighter and hotter and the intensity is growing and growing. And I can't wait to be in this book and to study it because be when I do that, I'm coming before God himself, you know, instead of that growing and getting more intense for you, your passion for the Bible has, has grown smaller. It's, it's gotten dimmer and, and colder and that fire is dangerously close to, grow, uh, to going out. Now, if I could kind of let you in on my life a little bit and to be really honest and, you know, hopefully transparent before you, I, I, you know, I remember uh, sensing that this was beginning to happen with me. And, uh, you know, a while back, I started to realize this. And you know what it's like, right? You don't even want to admit it. And it's like, no, I'm going to still, you know, put on a good front and, you know, say all the right things and, you know, make it at least look like I care about all these things. But inside I was growing cold and I started to realize that. And so what I started to do is just kind of give it some serious thought and, and some prayer and start to ask kind of the question and, and, and kind of interact with the Lord about this. Why? Why is this, why is this happening? Why do I not seem as fired up as I, I used to be? I used to have this voracious appetite and I was going for it and I was soaking it up like a sponge. And, and what I started to realize as I, as I was thinking about it is that while I had grown as a Christ follower, okay, by God's grace, and I had you know, great people in my life, and I had an awesome small group that loved me and was caring for me, and, and people that you know, pressed in on me on some things, and the Lord was merciful and gracious, and all of that, while I was growing, my approach to the scriptures had not. Right? And I was making a, a mistake that, that I think that a lot of us make, a lot of believers do, and they go years and years and years into this, and they keep making the same mistake, and it's, approach, it's an approach thing, kind of a, a mental thing that if we're not careful, it kind, of, it kind of zaps out our desire and our passion for the Word of God. And, and I think it's a big reason why we struggle with passion and we stop seeing the scriptures as so necessary for me. And, you know, I'm kind of going through my life and I feel fine as though fine is the standard, right? Standard's up here. But I, I'm kind of operating okay for the most part without it. And this whole word of God thing, meh, I'll kind of toss it to the side. And here's what I started to realize for myself. I think that's true for all of us, right? As new believers or, or maybe in the past, okay, for you, when we read the Bible, we were, we were often reading it for the first time, right? And so we were kind of soaking it up as, as this, is, this is brand new and, and, and wow, this is all exciting stuff and this is, you know, hitting me for the first time and it's, it's transformational. I've never considered this before and wow, Lord, is this, is this, is this for real? Like, look what you have, have done and you're, you're doing this in me and again, that we see the transformation, it seems like on a, on a daily basis and, you know, wow, again, it's, it's just this, it's this awesome thing, and there's so much enjoyment, and there's, there's so much delight in that phase. Okay, only here's the thing. We don't stay in that phase forever. Okay, we don't. And in some ways, depending on who we are, we don't even stay in that, you know, this is all new information phase for very long. Some of us, maybe it's like a year, maybe it's a year and a half, two years, I don't know. Or we come to the scriptures and we expect it to be new information and new information and all of this. Well, guess what? As you read the word and as you, you come and you hear preaching and, you know, you get into a small group and you're, you know, reading scriptures and as you're listening to music and you're talking with other believers and you're learning things about the Lord and about the Bible, guess what? 
you begin, at least in a very general sense, to have a pretty good sense of what the Bible says. Right? I, I, I kind of get the overall message. I, I understand what's expected of me. I understand what's life, what life is all about. Again, generally speaking, it's no longer giving you anything new. I mean, there's always new things that we're learning. You understand that, right? The older we get, there's still new insights and all of that. But just in a general overall sense, we kind of get how it all works. The Bible, uh, Christianity, kind of all of that. And if we don't change our approach as we grow and as we mature, listen, we're going to get bored with it. We're going to struggle to get into the scriptures. And, and for a lot of us, we even just kind of eventually give up even trying. Like, man, I've tried to read, and it's just, it's dry to me, or it's, you know, dare I say it, it even becomes boring. At least that's what we think. Listen, is the problem with the scriptures, or is the problem lie with the sinner? Right? It's with us. Right? The problem lies with us. And so the realization that I came to, okay, is that I, I shouldn't be reading the Bible anymore to learn new information. Again, I need to adjust my entire approach, my mindset, my line of thinking, Okay, now I'm, I need to be reading the scripture to be reminded of what I already know. I need to be reminded of these ancient and, and timeless truths. Okay, it's a, it's a very simple yet profound kind of mental and hard approach here. I need to, to continue. That's the word that Paul uses with Timothy. I need to continue to, to absorb the, the truth of the scriptures because they are extremely necessary in my life. They, they encourage me when I'm down. How great are the Psalms for that? They, 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 they point out my flaws, which, which properly begins to you know, dismantle my pride. They remind me of the of the grace and the hope that is mine through Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. And listen, that is a minute-by-minute minute need. Do you realize that in your life? This isn't like, I need this Sunday morning for an hour and a half. This is like, I need this now, and I need this at 3.30 p.m. this afternoon. I need this Monday morning. I need this Monday at lunch. All the way through, it's a minute-by-minute minute need for grace. We need to be in the Word because it gives us a greater trust in the Lord. It gives us a greater trust in him. So, hey, do you need to make that adjustment? You know, as I'm saying that, you're like, yeah, man, I've, I've totally kind of fallen into that trap. And I need to, I need to think about this differently. And yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reading Mark, the gospel of Mark for the like 50th time. And instead of being like, yeah, I've read this before. And, you know, I already know where this is going. No, it's like, I need to be reminded of it. You see the difference there? You need the Bible as much as I do, right? We all need it. We need reminding of what we already know. And you make this very, very subtle but extremely crucial, you know, tweak in your life. And I think what's going to happen as the Spirit is working in you and pouring out His grace is you're going to start to find that hunger return. You're going to start to find that appetite is insatiable. And like, I need more of this and I want more of this. I'm actually looking forward to getting up early, you know, maybe even ahead of my alarm. Imagine that, where I'm just like, I can't wait to grab some coffee and grab a Bible and just start going and reading and taking notes and praying and all of that. God, I need you. Your word is life. Your word is necessary. I need to continue to absorb and trust it. Here's the second thing. The Bible is necessary. It's necessary. 
And it leads me to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It leads me to saving faith in Jesus Christ. This is pretty foundational. Take a look at verse 15 now. Verse 15, it says, And and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So that's, again, Paul. We read that. He's saying that to Timothy. It's kind of a a shout-out to his mom and his grandma, right? But then it says this, Which are able, talking about the sacred writings and scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. They're able to make you wise for salvation. Okay, so the Bible isn't just necessary because it helps us grow in Christ in all kinds of, you know, deeper and, and profound ways. It's, it's deeper in the very, you know, primary or foundational sense that it reveals to us the plan of salvation. That's what it does. You know, if we didn't have the Bible, how would we know the gospel? How would we know what salvation is? How would we know what God desires, what is required of us? Okay, answer. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. Now, if your gears are turning here, okay, you might be kind of like, well, hold on a sec, time out, pastor. You know, what about, you know, those stories that we hear, you know, once in a while, uh, you, know, you know, somewhere where, you know, like a, like a Muslim, for example, in, a, in another country doesn't have access to the scriptures and, you know, there aren't any public churches and maybe Christianity is outlawed. You know, well, you know what about those stories where I've heard where they've, you know, met Jesus Christ in a dream, and as they were sleeping, the, the Lord appears to them and, you know, and the cross becomes revealed in such a clear way. And, and in that moment, they, they surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. They turn to him in saving faith. You might be thinking, well, hold on a second. Like, the Bible wasn't necessary in those instances. Well, sure they were. Or sure it was. Okay, the Bible is necessary because... What ends up happening, okay, the, the order might be a little bit different, but what ends up happening is, you know, in time, they get their hands on a copy of that. Or they have a conversation with, uh, with a believer. And they hear the message of the gospel, or they read the message of the gospel in the scriptures for themselves. And what that does is that that confirms or verifies the legitimacy of the dream that they had. And they're like, wow, the Lord did come to me in this. My salvation is is real. Okay? Saving faith in in Christ through a dream, he doesn't reveal that the Bible is unnecessary. Okay, instead, what it shows us is that, that God isn't limited by someone's lack of access to it. Right? He can move and he can save in the way that he wants to, even if they've never heard the message, even if you know, missionaries have never talked to them, even if they don't have a copy of the Bible. The Lord can move and he can work in sometimes in these untraditional ways. Okay, but listen, their dreams, their salvation claims are only legitimate if they line up with what the scriptures say. Right? That's the plumb line. That is the, that is the source. The Bible is necessary, even in unique circumstances like this. Okay, now here's how it leads us to saving faith. Or you can jot this down if you want. I love Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and verse 17, if you want to. You don't need to turn there because I'll read it. Okay, and this is what, again, the Apostle Paul has to say. He says, how then will they, meaning meaning unbelievers, how then will they call on him who in the, who they, whom, let me get that right, 
in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Right? Talking about the Bible, talking about the gospel, which the Bible, of course, reveals to us. And then verse 17, he says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, through the scriptures, through the biblical message, read or heard. Okay, and so the, the implication here, the teaching here, the understanding that we need to have here is that people cannot come to saving faith unless the, the word of God, the Bible, the gospel is heard, unless it's, it's preached, unless it's read and understood and then received by that person in faith. It's a claim that the Bible isn't necessary anymore and we need to get with the times as the church and, you know, the Bible is outdated and doesn't make any sense and we don't need it. Let's modernize. Let's get with the program or, you know, to, to relegate it, you know, subtly or overtly to, you know, just one of many tools that we could use if we feel like getting to it or, or to straight up again, just kind of shoot holes, poke holes in it, all of that. Is, to, is literally to tear down the very faith that we claim to stand on. Now, one of my very, very favorite passages in all of Scripture that really lays out the gospel for us, I believe, extremely clearly and doesn't pull any punches or anything like that is actually Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Now, we've got that on the screen. So again, you can follow along with that, but I'm just going to simply read this and listen and, and absorb the, the goodness of the gospel message and, 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 and glory in it, rejoice in it, love it. Here's what it says. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, that's referring to Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, referring to the unsaved, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, how good are those two words? But God, being rich and mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then he repeats it. He emphasizes it. He rams it home. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, if you have not yet personally, all right, trusted Jesus Christ, if you are not in a relationship with him, if you are still in some way trusting in your own 
good works that hopefully there is a God and hopefully he will, you know, give me a pass someday on the bad things that I've done, all of that. If you are in any way unsure of whether or not you know Jesus personally as your Savior, listen, allow this very clear and very necessary portion of Scripture to lead you to faith in him. Would you allow that to happen here this morning? What I'm actually going to do right now is I'm actually going to pray. And I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. And again, if you do not know Jesus yet, if you are, you know, your sins are still held against you, or you're not sure, you don't have a clear testimony. Did I do that a long time ago? Or have I, you know, have I done that? When did that happen? I'm not really sure. Hey, listen, I would encourage you to just kind of pray along silently with me as I pray this. I would encourage you even just silently where you are, but, but between you and God, if you were to agree with this as I pray this, you would be receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. And this will be the start of you being born again. This will be the start of a new and awesome life with the Lord. Would you just kind of bow your heads with me and follow along as I pray? Lord, I, I recognize that you are God and I am not. I believe that you have created me to know you intimately. But Lord, I also understand that my sins have ruined that opportunity for intimacy. And at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it. What's worse is I know that my sin means that I deserve your wrath and, and your eternal punishment. So Lord, I thank you for loving me so passionately, so much so that you sent your son, Jesus, to take that wrath and to take that punishment on himself in my place. Please forgive me and be my savior. Amen. Now, if you have prayed that along with me or you have agreed in your heart that that is true. Can I just encourage you on a couple of things? First of all, awesome! This is the greatest day ever. And can I say this? Please tell somebody about it today. Come talk to me. Track me down. Flag me down. Grab my leg. Tackle me. I literally don't care. Okay? Talk to somebody. The person that you came with, one of our leaders, somebody, tell us that this took place in my heart today. I gave my life to Jesus. Why? Because we want to celebrate with you. We, we want to we maybe pray for you, pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you out as you start this brand new journey. You're going to have a lot of questions. You don't have all your questions answered. I get all of that. Neither do I. Right? But you will grow and you will learn. And, and we, again, we want to disciple you in this. We want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. We want to get some people around you who can be your cheerleaders and your support. So would you come and tell us this? Don't leave here today without doing that. All right, church, I want to pray. We're going to pray for anybody who has done that. We're going to pray that the word of God would continue to, to take deeper root in our hearts. It would become more necessary uh, in our minds and, and in our lives. And it would take a prominent place for us in our actions and in our priorities. That it would become even more clear to us that we would love it, that we would go for it.
Why don't you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it just highlights the gospel for us. Lord, we just read it in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. In 10 verses there, it has the, the power to lead somebody from death to life, from sin being accounted to them, held against them, held their eternal destination to, but God provided a way, made a way through your son, Jesus Christ, because of your great love for us. Lord, I pray that as we have just read that and as, if we, as we have just prayed, Lord, I pray that, that those who have maybe made that monumental decision today to follow Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, Lord. I pray that they would tell somebody. I pray that we would be able to help them and disciple them as a church and love them well through this. And again, God, I pray that for the rest of us, the word of God would be a fire that is fanned into a bigger more massive, out-of-control, raging flame. Lord, please, we are desperate for this. Whether we feel the desperation or not is actually kind of irrelevant. Lord, we need it, and we need you. Show us this, God. Do this in our church. Have mercy on us. God, we pray all of these things in the righteous, awesome name of Jesus. Amen.